You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Good morning, everybody. I'm excited to see you guys. So if you don't know who I am, I'm obviously not Pastor Bob. I got more hair. <laughs> don't tell him I said that. Don't tell him I said that. So my name is Hugo. I'm the youth pastor here at Calvary. And it's, uh, it's a privilege to be up here with you guys on a Sunday uh, sharing the word. So let's get into it. But first, who has ever built anything without the instructions? You can raise your hand. No judgment here. We've all done it. Or at least the ones of us that try, right? So what is it about Ikea furniture? That it's like, come on. You know, you build it, and then there's like 10 leftover pieces, and you're looking at it, and you're looking at the little coffee table, and you're looking at the screws, and then you put a glass on it, and it starts to slide, and you're like, oh, no, no, something's missing. So it's always interesting. I love, I've actually learned and through time, and as I've gotten a little bit older, not that I'm old, but like... Reading the instructions just makes it so much easier. Anyway, so I'm going to tell you guys about a time where I did not do that. So I used to work for a, like an AV company. So we used to install like lighting, speakers, kind of like this type of stuff for churches, venues, that type of stuff. So this was kind of early on when I was kind of starting out. And uh, there was this bracket that we needed to put on the wall to hang a speaker or whatever. So somebody, it wasn't me, decided to unbox it and throw everything away, instructions included. So I'm looking at this thing, and it doesn't make sense. And I try to line it up. It's not lining up right. So what do I do? Like, I know. I'm going to muscle through it. How am I going to do that? I got a drill. I got a half-inch drill bit. It's just a quarter-inch piece of steel. What could go wrong, right? So if you're not handy, you kind of don't get what's going on here, but I'll explain. <laughs> so if you're drilling through steel, you got to go a little at a time. There's supposed to be oil to lubricate so it doesn't explode in your face, the drill bit. Did I have any of that? No. So here I go. I'm like, all right, let's do it. It's late. I want to go home. So just nothing. Cool. Keep going. Keep going. So I decide, you know what? This is not working. It's late. I've been here all day. I'm just trying to go home. Let me just put my weight behind it. So I go. I'm like, all right, here we go. Here we go. And I just lean into it. And it starts going. I'm like, all right, sick. I'm going to be out of here in no time. What happens? The drill bit catches on the metal because that's what happens when you don't do things the right way. And the drill swings around like this very violently. I might add, I didn't know that was possible. And it just right in my chest. Knocks the wind out of me. I take a few steps back. I'm like, (gasps) am I dead? Is this how I go? That's terrible. (laughs) So to this day, if I stretch back far enough, there's a little pop here. I probably should get it checked out, but that's probably a story for another time. <laughs> but I'm not that flexible anyway, so I, I don't think I can get that far back anymore. So I'm good. But <laughs> So there's a lot of reasons why we decide to not follow instructions. So maybe we're confident that we can handle things alone. Or, like in my case, you couldn't find the instruction manual. The instructions are confusing sometimes. Shout out to Ikea. Or we think we can find a better or easier way. So, you know, sometimes we manage without the instructions. We skate by, and it kind of works out. But most of the time, it doesn't go right. It, it always ends in the slanted table with three legs and 
a bunch of spare parts for when that breaks. But if we would have just followed the instructions, we would have avoided a lot of pain, chest pain in my case, or weird pops and aches. So I want us to go back about 3,000 years ago. Back then, the nation of Israel did not have a king. So it was in complete chaos. So for a long time, Israel didn't have a king because God was supposed to be its ruler. And God spoke to the Israelites through leaders, through prophets, through judges. And, uh, but Israel could never quite get the instructions right. And they were constantly disobeying, fighting with, and rebelling against God. So eventually, the Israelites, like a lot of us do, we think we know better than God. And they demanded a king. So God said, all right, you want a human ruler to lead you like all these other nations? Here you go, but it's not going to go well. So he warned them that, you know, it's, it's not going to go well for you guys. But okay, here you go. So kings, just like the rest of us, are human. So we, they ignore God's instructions. They get greedy, power hungry. They use their power to harm others. And they rebelled against God's plans. And after all, they're just humans, just like us. So it doesn't matter how wise or how good they seem, they're always going to fall short. So in the ancient world, when Israel was being led by kings, um, in between wars that they were fighting, they did a lot of different things. Some of them collected wealth. Others boasted about that wealth that they collected to other nations, to the people around them. And they entertained foreign guests. A whole, anything you can think of when you picture a human king doing something, that's what they did. So I want to talk a little bit about King David, which some of us know. And he wasn't simply a ruler. He was a shepherd with a heart of concern for his people. And he really did try his best to honor God during his reign, despite his many failures. And he tried to guide, to protect Israel, to administer justice, and help the nation stay close to God. He even devised this plan to get God to show up on earth and live alongside the people of Israel. But... God's plans were different and much, much bigger. So in the passage that we're going to read now, we see the Lord revealed to Nathan, who was God's prophet to David. In this, in this declaration, he gives this, it, it, that he gives us in this text, it's a great, it serves as a, a, like a great meaning for David in his day, but it also applies to us today as the church and for the world at large. So we're going to pick up, it's 2 Samuel chapter 7, and verse 8, and it says, Now then... Tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you a ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So this is an amazing promise that the Lord shares with them. And he shares with us today. And God promised to do something amazing, something crazy. He vowed that one day, one of David's descendants 
would be the king of everything, and this king would protect God's people forever, defend is or sorry, defeat Israel's enemies forever, end injustice forever, and allow God to be present with them forever. Now, this king, he would be a perfect king, able to follow God's instructions like all the other kings before him couldn't. But the king that God was promising is not what the people were envisioning. So fast forward about a thousand years, this king finally shows up. But he didn't appear draped in fancy robes or with commanding an army or on a throne. He wasn't born into wealth or power. He was born to an unmarried woman in a cave alongside some animals. And she named him Jesus. And only a few people recognized him as the king that was promised. And as Jesus got older, he began teaching about God, performing miracles, and showing us a new way to love God and to love others. And as he drew these crowds that were eager to hear what he had to say, people were beginning to wonder, could this be the king that God has promised to rule Israel? But then he said this, and before I get into it, just to give you some context of like what's happening right before this, this is when Jesus and the disciples feed the multitude, the 5,000, with just a few fish and the loaves of bread. So this is an amazing miracle all these people are witnessing. And those people that were there, Jesus saw that they were trying, they were intending to make him king by force. So Jesus actually withdrew himself up into a mountain. And later that night, the disciples set across the water on a boat to Capernaum. And this is where we see that miracle of Jesus walking out on the water to them. So the next day, the crowd's like, where'd they go? And then they find out that they went across. So they all go and they follow Jesus across the water. And this is where we pick up. And Jesus interacting with the people that followed him across the water and specifically the religious leaders. So we're going to pick up in John chapter 6 and verse 53. It says, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors, your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning... Which of them did not believe, and who would betray him? He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So there's kind of a lot going on here. So he's talking about flesh, bread, blood, drinking. Like well, There's a lot going on, and this confused a lot of people. But those people that were focused in on what he was saying literally, they kind of missed the point. When Jesus says that he's the bread of life, he just means that just like food is necessary for physical life, he's necessary for eternal life. And when he's talking about his broken body and his blood being poured out, it's because he knew that he was going to be killed soon. And when he says that people must eat his flesh and drink his blood, he's calling us to accept the gift 
that he's going to offer us through his death. And there's a lot of reasons why this confused a lot of his followers. But one of the things that they kind of honed in on is why is he talking about death? If he's the promised king, he should be talking about taking the throne, not dying. So Jesus' instructions to them, they were confusing. But instead of listening or trusting him or asking more questions, many just gave up and stopped following him. Decided to do it their own way. But Jesus knew what he was doing, and he needed us to understand that he wasn't the kind of king that we were expecting because God's kingdom is unlike anything the world has ever seen. And that it's not about power, it's about humility. It's not about defeating your enemies, it's about loving them. It's not about dominance, it's about sacrifice. And it's not about being served, it's about serving. That's why Jesus died hanging on a cross, wearing a crown of thorns beneath a sign that mocked him and it said, King of the Jews. He died to usher in God's new kingdom. And Jesus knew that people wouldn't understand. He knew that people would walk away, but he also knew that those who stayed close to him would be able to see God fulfill that promise to David and to do something brand new. King Jesus, he redefined royalty. And under his reign, we have peace, there's hope, there's love, and God is always near. And I'll be honest, if you're following Jesus, it's not going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy. And just like those people who walked away from Jesus, sometimes it's not, it's going to be difficult to trust where he's leading you, to understand it, but I promise you, it'll be worth it. So when following God's instructions are difficult or scary or confusing, don't give up. Our king can be trusted. And when obedience is difficult, we have to stay close to Jesus. So if you've seen me before, chances are it's been right over there playing a sparkly guitar. Well, I won't get into a sparkly guitar, but <laughs> I started playing guitar many years ago. I was in seventh grade. And the reason why I started playing guitar is kind of funny because I had two options for electives, guitar or Spanish. I was like, I already speak Spanish and I don't want to do homework, so I'll just choose guitar. And the rest is history. <laughs> so all of middle school and high school, up until like about three months before I graduated high school, all I ever thought about was playing guitar. You ask me what I wanted to do when I grow up, play guitar. What do you do when you're bored? Play guitar. What do you do after you're done playing guitar? Play guitar. So <laughs> that's all I wanted to do. But then it dawned on me, I was like, I don't think I'm as good as I think I am. I should probably go study something. So I decided to, to go to college and um, I decided to study criminal justice. It was something that always interested me, law and order, criminal minds, all that good stuff. So <laughs> I always found it super interesting, and I, you know, I, don't, I was clueless, 18 years old. I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm in, I'm in it, I start classes, and pretty soon I found myself like all in, taking notes, getting good grades. What? Writing papers, actually writing them, <laughs> paying attention in class, sitting in the front, asking the professor questions afterwards. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. This is, this is something I could do. But I always kind of had this voice in my head, like, not literally, but this inclination that ministry would be the path for me, serving in a church, you know, full-time. But I always brushed it off. I always told myself, I'm not good enough. That's too much. No, I can't do that. I'll volunteer. I'll serve. All that stuff. I remember one time I went to, to lunch with Pastor Bob, and he asked me that question. He's like, oh, how do you feel about, you know, ever being in full-time ministry? I was like, ah. nope. Listen, and this, this was the excuse. It was golden, I thought. <laughs> I always told, I told people, whenever they ask me that question, listen, I love serving at church, 
you know, I'll, I'll go, I'll help out with anything, but I never want church to feel like a job. I want to keep my work separate from church. Work is work, church, I'll serve the Lord, I want to be happy. I never want church to feel like a job. And I was like, that's a good excuse. How do you say, you know, you're wrong to that? So he was like, okay. But I, I got that sinking feeling because the question kind of came out of nowhere for me. So I was like, oh, you caught me off guard. So fast forward, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't need to do that. I'm not doing that. Fast forward a few years, I'm graduating. I start my master's degree, and I'm where a lot of young adults, shout out to you guys, where you're at. You finish college, and you start applying to a job. And as soon as you leave college, you know, you're, oh, I'm going to start a job next week. You see some people like, oh, they already have a job lined up. This is going to go great. That is not what happened. <laughs> Every time I apply for a job, nothing. Almost as if God was trying to tell me something. But of course, he doesn't always talk about, I know better. So door after door starts closing in my face. And I'm just like, I just need to endure. God, give me strength. I know what I'm doing. I know what you're saying, but mm, I got this. I, got the instru- I don't need the instructions. And so I did... I was looking for every little thing that I could do to make myself more marketable. So one thing I did that, it's something I've always wanted to do since I was a little kid, was uh, join the military. So I enlisted in the Army Reserves, and I thought, this is perfect. It's part-time. The recruiter said it's only twice a month, or two days a month, two weeks a year. Spoiler alert, it's more. But (laughs) so... And I always knew, like, oh, this is perfect. You know, I get some real training, and then, like, that's going to help me look better as an applicant. That's all I was focused on. Super, you know, I got the horse blinders on. But what I didn't count on was as soon as I got home from basic training, my unit would be deploying a month after, right after I finished. But I was like, you know what? This is even better. I'm going to come back. I got my bachelor's degree halfway through my master's. Deployment under my belt. This is great. There's no way I can't not get a job. This is perfect, perfect. So the funny thing about trying to run away from God is it's never a straight line. It's a circle. What do I mean by that? It's you think you're going this way, but you're actually going like this. And then you're like, I've seen this place before. Oh, hey, God. No, 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 move. I got this. And then you're circling again. And there you go. You're in the same spot. And no matter how hard I try to run away, run away, literally, Thousands of miles, a place I've never been to before. And God had me right where he wanted me. And still just that little voice kept getting louder, that feeling that I was doing the wrong thing, that I knew what I needed to do. But I was like, you know what? When I get home, it's all going to work out. So I get home. Safely, it was awesome. Luckily, I wasn't in a place that was super crazy. And I was like, this is perfect. I'm the literal perfect candidate. Just came from overseas. I'm in great shape, not so much anymore. And it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I have a clean record. This is going to go swimmingly. And what happens? Nothing. The same old, same old. I wanted so badly to do my own thing that I had myself convinced that I'm just on the right path. God just wants me to endure. You know, they say the doors are closed. Breaking through a window. Kick down the wall. Blow it up. I'm looking for the window. There's no windows in this building. (laughs) It just wasn't working out. So... And just like those who, who heard God's hard, who heard Jesus' hard teaching there in Capernaum, I turned my back and I no longer followed him. And in spectacular fashion, my little perfectly crafted plan just blew up in my face. Every, I, I can't even remember how many places I applied to. It must, it's over 10. 
And it's not like, oh, I got far in the process. It was like immediately, hey, thank you for applying. No. Thank you for applying. No. Thank you for applying. No. Like, at least interview me <laughs> so you can get to know me a little or something, but nothing. And I came face to face with my reality. God was speaking to me and I was ignoring him. I threw away the instructions and I was trying to assemble my life on my own terms. And it wasn't the world that was getting in my way. It wasn't these obstacles that were put there by God. It was something much closer, someone much closer. It was me, myself. I was the one that was getting in my way. And the funny thing is, as soon as I I decided and I was like, you know what, God? I'm just going to start saying yes. Whatever you have me do, I'm just going to start saying yes. And as soon as I started doing that, everything in my life started going right. Things that my wife and I had been praying for for years started to happen. And all I had to do was take that step in obedience. And being in ministry for the few years that I have been, it's been the best time of my life. It's, it's been so fun. And all those fears that I had, all those excuses, those were just my insecurities holding me back from God's plan. And looking back now, I can see clear as day. I was my own worst enemy. And oftentimes that's the case. We try to assemble the little Ikea coffee table, whatever it's called, without the instructions. And then we blame everyone else when, it doesn't, when it's crooked and upside down and inside out somehow. It's like, and we blame everyone else. These Ikea, those sweetest people, they don't know what they're doing. What is that? What are these instructions? I don't need that. I'm going to do it my own way. And what happens? Are we blaming? Oh, the kids are running around. They kicked a screw under the couch. I don't know where it is. Oh, I just have to make do. No, it was you. All you had to do was read the instructions, and it would, you would have been fine. But it's, it, oh, I'm not even going to guess. I'm, I'm going to drop the furniture thing. But, <laughs> so following Jesus and his teachings, they're, they're really difficult because he asks us to do things that are so different from what we're used to, and so different from what we want to do. I never thought I would be up here on a Sunday morning or Friday nights, like, teaching. Never, never, never once did it cross my mind. But here I am. And so I want to encourage you guys, instead of continuing on that path that you're on, waiting for things to change, I challenge you, try something that you haven't before. Take a step out of your own way. Ask God to put that mirror in front of you to show you that you're the one that's in your way. Not anything else, it's just you. And it's, it's tough. Obedience is not easy. And uh, there's, there's kind of just three things about obedience that I want you guys to write down in your notes. The first one is obedience is a commitment. And listen, commitment is hard for a lot of us for anything. Gym membership, all that stuff. It's hard, <laughs> especially the deeper things. But that's exactly what Jesus challenges us to do. He challenges us to follow him. He doesn't mean just say, I believe in you once, and then you're checked out, you're good to go. He's challenging us to fully commit to following in his footsteps and letting God change everything, excuse me, about our lives. Everything, not just what you want to change or what you think you need to change or those things that you don't think that you need to change that you think you're good at. We got to let God change everything about our lives. The second thing is obedience shows love. And loving God is so much more than our feelings. It's a choice that we make or a choice that we don't make. And when Jesus tells us to follow him, he's asking us to show that we love him just like he loves us. And how did he do so? Sacrificially. Literally gave his life for us. And throughout scripture, you see Jesus saying that if we love him, we should follow his instructions. The third thing is obedience reveals our heart. And this one's big. The obeying Jesus shouldn't be about what we should do or what we have to do. It's about what we get to do. 
Remember, he's not like a normal king that just wants blind obedience. Jesus doesn't want your blind obedience. He cares about your heart. And obeying Jesus, it's not a to-do list that you check off. Just, oh, came to church on Sunday. Check. Go to a group. Check. Read this little 35-second devotional. Check. On the Bible app. It's an adventure. And it's not going to be easy. Most adventures, you know, they go like this. You're climbing a mountain. It's tough work. But when you get to the top, it's smooth sailing down and you're good. And Jesus told us that he wouldn't leave us alone on this journey. Now, there, there's an interesting relationship between obeying God and staying close to God. Now, when we obey God, we get closer to God and become more like Jesus. So when obedience is what we do, and you guys can write that down, closeness is what we get. So I'll say that again. When obedience is what we do, closeness with God is what we get. But when we're struggling to obey God, trusting and staying close to Jesus makes obedience feel more possible. And when staying close to Jesus is what we do, obedience is what we get. So maybe you're struggling to obey because you're confused about God's instructions or you're doubting that God's way is the best way or you're just struggling to do what you know that God has told you to do, just like I was. Now, whatever it is, I want you guys to write that down, whatever you think. And you could just write a word or two somewhere on a piece of paper on the mirror with a dry erase board so you see it every morning or just write a prayer and ask God, I challenge you, ask, talk to God, be real, be honest, ask him, why is it so difficult to obey and ask for help? You're not disobedient by telling God that you're struggling, you're being real, you're staying close to Jesus even when the obedience is difficult. And guys, I can't stress that enough, like, you gotta get out of your own way. It's so easy to look at everything falling around or all around you but what are you doing? How are you standing in your way of being closer to God, of doing what God has called you to do? And I want to challenge you guys, really genuinely ask God to reveal that to you. What area of your life that you're struggling with is that? And ask God to give you the strength to punch that mirror in the face, that reflection of yours, and to, to get moving, to take that step of faith, to move forward. And I promise you, it's not always going to be easy it's not. A lot of times you do and things get worse. Things get harder. But remember that Jesus is with you. The Lord is with you. He's by your side every single step of the way, no matter what. So again, when you stay close to Jesus, when you feel that pain that like, oh, I can't do this. There's no way. I'm not good enough. Listen, nobody is. That's the point. None of us are. None of us will ever be. But when we stay close to Jesus, we get that obedience. And life from there, things will eventually look up. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for, for bringing us here today, Father, to worship you, to learn about your word, to fellowship God. I pray that we can all, that you can show us how we're standing in our own way, Lord. Reveal to us and give us the courage to push ourselves out of the way, Lord, to take that step of faith. Whatever it is, relationally, in your career, whatever it is, God, give us the courage and know that you're with us, God, and you haven't let us down before. 
You're not going to let us down now. You'll never let us down in the future, God. You're always there with us, even when things are going to be rough, when they don't make sense, when the world around us is collapsing. Give us the strength, Father, to, to stay close to you because you have our backs. Help us understand that, Father. Reveal that to us, God. And I want to pray for everyone in this room, Lord, for whatever struggle that they're going through. I pray that you, you encourage them, that you help them see that you're right there with them, Lord, and that you always will be. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.